Alrighty, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Couch Warrior Podcast. This is episode 14 and I am your host, Mike. So, yeah, today we're going to be going over UFC Vegas 53. Not the most exciting card, but only one, only this one and then we're out to UFC 274, which should be a lot of fun, so that's cool. We'll break down this card today, and hopefully I'll try to keep it nice and short. Real quick, we'll recap last week, which was chaos, and then I'll go over uh, this week's card as usual. So, <clears throat> just pulling up my results real quick. Last last week, Saturday night was literally a tale of two nights. So, I bet both Bellator and UFC that night, and on UFC, we fucking crushed it we made nine units with a 48 percent roi we got almost all our straight picks right except for one lando venata everything else we hit um the only things we didn't hit were uh <laughs> the parlay i had with barry on it but i paid that back with a with a bet on um, mike jackson so that was cool and uh yeah <clears throat> so i'll go over that real quick and then we got crushed in bellator where i lost 9.11 units so we actually ended the night down like .08 units, which, you know, was just disappointing because I had such a killer night for UFC, and then it all went down the drain. So that was upsetting. But unit management is very important and something I'm still learning too. So <clears throat> that sucks, but what can you do? Uh, I'll go over the, the picks real quick. So we had Jessica Andrade, Moneyline, 2.5 units, hit Puelas, plus 121 unit, we hit that. Macy Barber, 1.88 units, we hit that. Uh, Sergey Handasco, 1.1 units, we hit that. I'm shocked he got the KO. Preston Parsons, uh, minus 110, 1.5 units, we hit that one easy. Felipe Linz, 3 units, uh, that was dope, uh, very greasy though. And then Mike Jackson, plus 900, quarter unit, uh, paid off my uh, stupid parlay with Barry, so that was clutch. <coughs> Honestly, Barry looked horrible. He has no place in the UFC either. Even if he got that win, like, what is he doing here? I don't understand what this was all about, like, making this fight over and over again. Like, why? And then all our... So we had parlays with Pedro. Those all hit. We had three of them. Andrade and two with Arichi Lang. Uh, our props right by KO in round one. Nope. Puelas by submission. That one hit. Plus f 450. Jordan round three KO didn't hit. Jackson by sub didn't hit. Linz by KO didn't hit. Villanueva by KO round one didn't hit. Venata by decision didn't hit. Parsons by submission didn't hit. And Lemos Andrade fight ends by KO didn't hit. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind, I keep my, my prop plays small. So I have lots of prop plays, but they're usually for big odds and small wagers. So they don't often harm my night. I keep the parlays and the straight picks bigger. And yeah, so that's that. We did great last week on UFC. Hopefully we can keep it rolling. Um, we did pretty well on PFL too. We made a few units. So I'm going to try to have some stuff out tomorrow. But I don't have a single pick yet. So I'm going to be doing that after this. I'm going to hop off and uh, try to break down some PFL and whatnot for you guys. So <clears throat> excuse me. Without any further ado, let's break this, fight, this card down, huh? So... Our first fight, we got Tatsuro Tyra versus Carlos Candelario. Uh, Tyra is 10-0. He's 22 years old, 5'7". We don't have a reach on him. 
And on the other side, you got Carlos Candelario, eight one and oh, 30 years old, five foot eight, 67 inch reach. So it's an inch taller. We're not positive about the reach, but I have a feeling that Tyra's got a, a bit of a reach advantage. And this is a super interesting fight. First off, I mean Candelario should tech not to. I think he should be nine and zero. I thought he beat Altamirano. I did have money on him, but <clears throat> I mean Dana agreed with me too. The commentators agreed with me too. So I did think Candelario won that fight. And honestly, I'm surprised by some of the takes from people on this one. I'm I'm hearing a lot of people thinking that Tyra really can just take Candelario's back. They think he's going to finish him. It won't be that hard. Uh, the logic behind it is that Altamirano was able to take his back and take him down. And so was his Candido fight. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. So I think literally everybody's overlooking the fact that Candido was Aldo's BJJ coach. Candelario fought Candido. Aldo's BJJ coach didn't get submitted off five sub, sub attempts and won the fight. And we're saying we're not sure if he can handle somebody's grappling. Like I think that he's already proven himself that he can handle grappling. Um, <clears throat> he's got good grappling himself. I mean, the guy's got seven sub wins. He has never been submitted. Uh, that Altamirano loss was his fir first loss, period. One thing I don't love is he, he did apparently retire before his Altamirano fight. But apparently part of the reason behind that was that the flyweight division was possibly getting uh, cut. So... I don't know what's what's up with that, but that's, I guess, something to, th to think about. But honestly, I think these odds are all wrong, all wrong. It, it really doesn't make sense to me. So you got Tyra. He's 22 years old. He's still super young. He hasn't fought anybody with any name yet. He's been fighting in Risen with, I mean, not Risen, I'm sorry, in Shudo, which honestly isn't the highest level right now. Um, r really can't think of anybody high level coming out of there in recent years. And, like, who who is he? So his last fight, Alfredo Muad, like, that 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 was the first fight I watched. And that was, right away, I was like, this guy's not anything legendary. Like, he was getting hit by this dude who's a relative nobody compared to, you know, some of the guys that are in the UFC. And, I don't know. I just didn't think he looked very good. I didn't think his striking looked very good. He's what I hate. Pretty much, if you've watched my shows before, I hate guys who only throw kicks. And that's really what Tyra does. He's per primarily a kicker, and then he just tries to close the range. Uh, doesn't often really even get takedowns. Sometimes, like his last fight, he he rocked the guy and then just took his back. His takedowns are all right when he does shoot. He does take the back really slick. He's really good at that. Like You can't deny it. He's really good at BJJ. He has eight sub wins himself. Also never lost by sub, but he's never lost, period. He moves well laterally, that's good, but we also don't know how his cardio is really going to look. 7 of 10 wins in round 1, 1 of 10 in round 2, and he's only got 2 decision wins. And I, I watched the his most recent decision win, and first off, the guy was like half his size, just a very small guy. And yeah, I mean, he, he beat him over 3 rounds in my opinion, but like you saw lapses and you, you saw his age, like you saw that there's definitely holes in his game. I think that on the feet, Candelario is going to be quite a bit better. He's got the better striking, in my opinion. Uh, he puts together good combinations. He's got good output. He's got very fast hands. He's got decent takedown defense, in my opinion, and he pops right back up. He doesn't give up a ton of control time. Um, I, I put together his control time numbers only for the Altamirano fight. There's nothing for the Candido one because it's in one of the old seasons. 
where they didn't give control time for the stats and he controlled five minutes for two two minutes he was controlled against what's up kiarix kiarix asking fight doesn't go a good spot spot here um yeah, I mean, possibly. I think it's possible that either of these guys get to finish, whether it's Tyra early or uh, Carlos late. I was looking at Candelario round three. It's probably something I'll consider. I like hitting that round three prop against a guy who's um, doesn't really go the distance very often or doesn't make it to the third round very often. I do expect Tyra to slow down big time by round three. So... Yeah, I do think it's possible that we don't go the distance. I'm I'm not sure if I'm gonna play yet. Right now, I just have a play on Carlos Candelario money line. I took him at plus two fifty. I'll check right now. I believe he's still in the plus two hundreds. I, I still like that. You know, plus two oh five, plus two ten on Caesars. You can get. It's slowly been moving down to like plus one ninety five. But I, I like the plus two hundred still. I I do think he's just a better all around fighter. Also, according to his Instagram, at least Candelario's been training at. Uh, with Font over at the New England Cartel. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. And honestly, that's great for striking. I'm not sure how I feel about that in regards to grappling. But honestly, Font's had some very nice grappling in his recent fights. It's something I'll talk about later. So, yeah, I think Candelario wins the fight. I think he probably wins by decision. But I think it's possible he finishes in round three. I'll probably be sprinkling the round three prop for like .1 unit, depending what it is. Let me see what it is, actually. I'm sure it's up already. Candelario round three plus 800. Yeah, I'm 1 million percent playing that one for a 0.1 unit to win 1.8. It's hard not to. So, yeah, my pick's Carlos Candelario there. <clears throat> Next up, we got Gina Mazzani versus Shauna Young. Gina Mazzani is 7-5-0. Oh. She's 5'6", 68.5-inch reach, and she's training out of Extreme Couture. No, that's extremely incorrect. I got to stop reading off there. I know that's not right because she dates... Uh, Tim Elliott, and I know for a fact that she trains out of Glory MMA. Yeah, I have it in my notes. Uh, so Mazzani's out of Glory MMA, and then Shauna Young, seven four and 31 years old, five foot seven, sixty five inch reach, and she's training out of Knoxville MMA. Uh, so you got Gina Mazzani with a three and a half inch reach advantage. Shauna Young's one inch taller, and both women are fighting at a switch stance. So that's going to be an interesting one. This one, again, it's one of those spots where it looks like the entire Twitter and MMA universe is all lining up on Gina Mazzani. Everybody's ready to throw Shauna Young in the trash because, you know, she's honestly looked really terrible in her last few fights. I'll pull them up right now. I I, I know that uh, in her Contender Series fight, that's something that's given a lot of people pause. She lost to Sarah Alper, which is a terrible look because if you've seen Sarah Alper fight, Sarah Alper does not fight very well she's not athletic at all and she was able to finish shauna young in the second round but honestly shauna was winning that fight up until that point her most recent fight against stephanie egger honestly i, I give i give her a little bit of like pass there i i think very pretty highly of stephanie egger i was on her against um jessica rose clark so i i, I don't give her too much shit for that and also egger is what uh uh, judo, I forget what the credentials are, but she's some kind of champion and she's incredibly talented at judo. So getting taken down by her two times isn't the end of the world. Uh, Macy Chiasson, I mean, that's not as great getting taken down by her three times, but Macy's also huge. She's five foot eleven. She had a 72-inch reach. She's a really big woman. So again, there's an asterisk there. And then the Sarah Alper fight, there's no excuse there. But like you look at Gina Mazzani, 
she hasn't looked great in her last few fights either. So, first of all, she's got two wins in the UFC. Wu Yanan, who I think people sell a little bit short, but she's not very good. And Rachel Ostevich, who got sent over to BKFC to fight Paige Van Zandt. So, you know, not, nothing too impressive. Uh, she did win with with the nice body kick, I remember, but I did like I thought that Ostevich was winning some striking exchanges too, which is a terrible look uh, against Priscilla Cachera. Part of the problem there was she gave Priscilla opportunities and she took them, and that's how she got KO'd. She she can't be standing in front of these women because she really just doesn't have the hands for it. Uh, her striking is fairly basic. She's mostly a classic wrestle boxer. Her straight left is decent. Uh, she's got a decent jab, but she overreaches quite a bit. Her one-twos are okay. Her striking defense is pretty terrible. She gets hurt a lot. Her grappling's fantastic. I mean, great trips, great great wrestling, great double, good top control. She's never got a submission win. She's got one sub loss. I don't I don't see Shauna Young submitting her. She, she does have the three-inch reach advantage here. But, uh, again, that's only really good for her striking. I don't know how much that's going to help her in the grappling. And... I think that Young is honestly better on the feet, as much as it hurts me to say. I, her kicks are really dope. She's got really good speed and a lot and flex, flexibility on those kicks. She'll go leg, body, head, all really quickly. She'll mix them in with her punches. She looked really good on the regionals right before the UFC, but she was getting taken down there too. So that takedown defense is a big problem for sure. Uh, I just think that on the feet, she's she's much better than than Gina personally i think that her output's going to be better and i think that her striking overall is just going to be better part of the issue with the with her kicking game though is she she's going to be giving up takedowns that way it's not it, it's not hard to catch a kick if you're throwing tons of them and to take you down shauna young does do a decent time job popping back up but her control percentage is one percent control time for 23 percent against i mean that's just disgusting i don't think i'm going to be betting a side here I was curious about Shauna Young, but I, look, I think that this is like very clear-cut wrestler versus grappler, so whoever's going to get their game the, the most of the time is probably going to win. I think that Gina probably wins this fight, but I don't want to be laying like minus 170 on Gina just for her to get exhausted after two rounds of wrestling, make a mistake, let Shauna stand with her and get knocked out by a fucking kick out of nowhere. That's the last thing I want. Something I am interested in that I already played. I just don't know how much I want to play it for. Uh, the fight doesn't go the distance. I got that at plus 120 on Bet Online, And I did only a half unit for now. I do want to do more than that. I just think that this is a really good violent spot here. You got Gina Mazzani. So you look at her fights, right? She's got seven fights in the UFC. One, two, three, four, five of them ended by finish. She's only got two wins. And one of two of those wins was by finish. And then you look at Shauna Young, three fights in the UFC. She's been finished two of three of those times. She hasn't won a single fight, so nothing there. But yeah, I think that there's a good chance that we don't go to decision, whether it's Gino Mazzani finishing her from on top, maybe with ground and pound, maybe a sub, even though I don't really see it. Or if it's Shauna Young knocking Mazzani out on the feet, I think that's possible too. So I like the fight doesn't go. I don't like any sides though. <clears throat> All right. I've got a fairly strong take here. I wouldn't call it an island because I'm with the favorite, but I'd say it's a fairly strong take. <clears throat> My phone's blowing up. Sorry. Okay, nothing important. 
So here we got Mike Breeden versus Natan Levy. Mike Breeden is 10-4-0. He's 33 years old, 5'10 with a 70-inch reach, and he's training at a Glory MMA. And then on the other side, you got Natan Levy. He's 6-1-0. <clears throat> Excuse me. 30 years old, 5'9 with a 72-inch reach, and he's training at a Syndicate MMA. So you got a 2-inch reach advantage for Natan, 1-inch height advantage for Breeden, but it's the reach normally that really matters. And this is honestly a fairly interesting one. I had a stronger take at first in the way of Levy beforehand, and then now I'm not so ready to chuck a ton of units on him. But anyways, Breeden, he's got two fights in the UFC. We've Well, one in the Contender Series, one in the UFC. On the Contender Series in 2020, I believe it was, he fought Anthony Romero. There he got taken three down three times but honestly what was good there was he barely got held down he did a very good job popping back up so you got to give him credit there Romero's a strong guy and he's pretty damn good of a fighter too Romero got two of nine takedowns there and he got 25 seconds of control time which is nothing but he did beat up Breeden on the feet over three rounds and Breeden is honestly incredibly hittable he's got a 46 percent striking defense Against Alexander Hernandez, look, I mean, I, I can't really blame him too much for getting KO'd by him. Alexander Hernandez is just a level above him, and I think that's what everybody expected. That's what the odd make, odds makers expected, and it's what happened. Breeden did look, you know, he looked good. He looked like he was trying at least. Like he he doesn't come into these fights to pick up a paycheck. He's here to fight for your money. At least that you can, you know. I know a lot of people like to bet on dogs. Will fight for your money. I do too. I know that's why a lot of people are on Vera, why a lot of people are on Elkins, because they fight for your money. Breeden will fight for your money, but <clears throat> I'm just not sure if his fight is enough to beat Levy here. I think that Levy is much better in the grappling department. We saw that in the Contender Series against, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, I think his name was Shaheen. Yeah, Shaheen Santana. We saw we saw Natan's grappling there. He's got he's got a really solid takedowns. He's got good top control. His sub game is strong. He's got five submission wins. Never lost by sub. Breeden has lost twice by submission, but that was only in his amateur career. He has not been submitted as a pro, and I'm sure doing work over at Glory MMA has helped with that. Uh, my issue with Levy, why I'm not willing to go too hard on him anymore, is his striking is a little more sloppy than I remembered it being. His combinations are pretty good, but he wings his strikes a decent amount. He'll leave himself open because of that. His kicks are another thing that leaves him open. He can get pretty damn sloppy with them. Uh, I, I just I felt like there was a lot to be desired still with the striking. His jab is good, but he needs to use it way more. His hooks are good when he's not winging them. He likes to go really nice. He honestly, he looked way better in round three against Garcia when it came to the striking. Once he started being a little bit straighter with the punches, his striking defense is solid, 60%. He moves his head pretty well, but he's still getting countered after those strikes with the loopy shit. Uh, good trips off the fence, solid top control, like I said before. I, I, I like Levy. I'm just I, I'm worried about what happens if he can't take Breeden down, and Breeden's just walking him down and landing on him, and Levy's just being sloppy, looking for those crazy shots, and. Maybe he lets the fight slip away from him. I don't think it happens. I think Levy probably beats him. I think he could finish him, could sub him. But the sub props like Juice, I don't like it. It's like what? I think it was like plus one, plus 200 last time I saw it. <clears throat> yeah, plus 215. You're going to give me plus 450 on Puelas by sub, but you're going to give me plus 215 for Natan Levy? No, thank you. 
But <clears throat> I do have Levy. Uh, I have Levy money line for now. I got him at minus 188 for 1.8 units, but I'm going to wait and see how much more he drops. He's currently at minus 182 on bet online. If the lines keep going down towards Breeden, I'll definitely hop on uh, Levy for a little bit more, but that's about it. I do have Levy winning this fight, though. Next up is a banger. We got Johan Lainess versus Gabe Green. He got Lainess, who is 8-0, undefeated. He's 29 years old, six foot one, 76-inch reach. And he is training out of, let me check my notes. I don't know if it's actually Brazilian top team. I don't think it was. It's Center XPN Montreal is the most recent gym I saw on his Instagram. And he's fighting at an orthodox stance. And then on the other side, you got Green. Green is 10-3-0. He is 28 years old, 5'10". He's got a 73-inch reach. And for his gym, I did my digging, but I couldn't really find much. It looks like he's just bouncing between boxing gyms as far as I could tell. So that's the, that's what I have there. And this one's interesting. I, I know a ton of us are on green. I'm on green. The line has been flying down since this past weekend. I, I got him at like... What did I get? I got him at minus 115 green. He's now minus 160, <laughs> minus 145, minus 150. I think that's starting to get a little wide, but I, I think it's still a decent line. Lainess is good. Lainess is pretty good. He had that contender series fight against Burlinson. I think very highly against on Burlinson of Burlinson. I had money on him. Um, I did really think that he'd beat Lainess, but he did not. Lainess knocked him out clean. It was a really nice KO. Lainess carries crazy power. He's got good leg kicks. He's got a really nice jab. He uses it as a feeler. He's got really nice body shots. Uh, he wings his punches a little bit. He's got good timing on his hook. Big overhand rights. He'll step in with his jab really nice, which is good. And he'll mix to the body really well. He moves his head, which is important too. Uh, but he does overextend on his punches a bit. And honestly, his grappling is decent too. He can shoot for takedown sometimes. Uh, his top control is all right. But Burlinson kind of accepted the, top, the bottom. So I don't know how much credence to put into that. So... Not going to say he's some amazing grappler just yet. He does have one submission loss, no sub wins, but the sub loss was against an amateur, and we did see him defend a bunch of good submission attempts against Burlinson. Lainess also has a three-inch reach advantage and a three-inch height advantage, and six of eight of his wins are by KO, and Green has been KO'd two times, I believe, if I remember correctly. But, <clears throat> excuse me, the way I'm thinking about it is, Green, Green's much more experienced, first of all. He's already had two fights in the UFC, 30 minutes to Lainess's one minute, one and a half minutes on the Contender Series. And the guys he fought, I feel like, are very good preparation for Lainess. You saw, we saw Green fight. First, he fought uh, Rodriguez, Daniel Rodriguez, who I think very highly of. I think he's a fantastic striker, and that was mostly a striking fight. And I thought Green looked decent. I mean, the output was there. Green's output looked great. He I think both of his last two fights, both of his UFC fights, he went over 100 strikes. Nah, he didn't. In the Phil Rowe one, he only got 70. But I thought he gave a decent account of himself against Daniel Rodriguez, a really, really tough opponent. We saw Rodriguez beat Kevin Lee in his last fight. And then the fight against Phil Rowe, that that was honestly closer than I remembered when I rewatched it. But... You know, Gabe Green, he puts together good combinations too. He's also got a good jab that he uses as a feeler. Also good body shots. Also, also kind of swings his overhand right a bit. Carries big power. 
Does good work on the fence, which I think is something we're going to see a decent amount here. He's also got low-key BJJ and grappling. He did shoot a few takedowns against um, Phil Rowe, and he does have, what is it, seven? I have it in my notes. He has seven submission wins. So maybe that's something to look out for to boost the odds a little bit. Let me check it out. The sub prop isn't out yet, actually. That's interesting, but it's weird how some fights have a bunch of props out and some fights just don't have pretty much anything, but hopefully those will come out soon. But I think that on the feet, it's going to be relatively close. I think that Green will give Johan Ness opportunities to land. I think he will give him opportunities to hurt him. I think on the feet, it's going to be relatively close, at least in round one. I just think that Green's going to start running away with it as we move through the rounds. Lainess really hasn't been deep into a fight often. And I do think we're going to see him slow down a bit. We have seen him slow down in his regional fights. He does still carry that power. So it's not like that power is just gone after the first round. He definitely still carries it. He does have finishes outside of the first round. But I think that he's just going to start slowing down. I think Green's going to pour it on him. Green's not going to give him a technical striking battle. Green's going to give him a dog fight. And Green's another one of these guys who's going to fight for your money. And I do like him here. I do think he wins. I think there's another spot to maybe look at that round three prop when it comes out. Like I said, the props aren't out just yet for these fights. But I, I, I think Green will piece him up over time. I think the in the beginning, I think it's going to look relatively close. Maybe if you like live betting, maybe that's something to look at. I'm not sure about that, though. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But I do like Green to win here. I think he's got more paths of, paths of victory here. He's got more weapons to use. If he doesn't like how it's going on the feet, he can try to take down Lainess. I think he can do decent work from bottom. I mean, from the ground. And uh, yeah, I, I like Green to win this fight. All right, this next one we already broke down last week, and it's not like anybody really needs a breakdown. Um, <clears throat> I think what I'll do instead is I'll, I'll, I'll try to pitch Chase Sherman in round three because that's what I'm going to sprinkle on. But so we got Alexander Romanov versus Chase Sherman. You got Romanov who's 15 and 0, 31 years old, six foot two, 75 inch reach, and you got Lion Comrade as his gym. I I remember looking for it last week, and I think. That's all, all, all I could find, but it couldn't really tell. And then Chase Sherman, you got him training out of apparently American top team Diberville. I remember struggling with that last week. Also not sure, sure wh where he was training from. But Chase Sherman is 15, 9-0, 32 years old, six foot four, with a 78-inch reach. This is now officially Chase Sherman's third stint with the company. Last week, he was supposed to fight Sherman, and we saw that fight get canceled right before the fight started. For a lot of people like myself that absolutely crushed our DraftKings lineups, which fucking sucked. But luckily, I think the ownership on Romanov was like 84%. So a lot of us were still okay in cash games. If everybody's got Romanov, most people are going to be okay then. The people that didn't are the ones who probably got nice hits on the tournaments. But um, Kiarix is saying, let's hope this fight doesn't get pushed back another week. Honestly, for a second there, I thought that Sherman pulled a fast one. Got his new contract, was like, yeah, yeah, I'll fight Romanov. And then right before the fight, he's just like, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> and then Dana was just like, all right, so you're going to fight him next week instead. I don't know what the fuck happened, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I, I don't see this getting pushed back again. I mean, 
if somehow it gets canceled again, I think they're just going to get rid of Sherman once and for all. This is his third stint with the company. Look, you guys don't need me to tell you that Romanov is probably just going to take Sherman down and beat the fuck out of him. But I will say this. <clears throat> Romanov has showed tremendous holes with the striking. He doesn't have very good striking. He depends on big kicks and big strikes. So, he, And he leaves himself open. So it's something to consider. We saw uh, Rogerio de Lima and we saw Vandera both land on him. They didn't have like crazy success. But on the feet, I would say they looked better than Romanov did. And... Another thing, just to mention, I know that myself personally, even last week, I was saying, you know, Sherman got subbed by Collier in round one, blah, blah, blah. It's not like Collier just took him down. Collier took him down off a kick. Caught a kick. That's that's how he got him down. It wasn't a takedown. Not saying Sherman has some legendary takedown defense, but he's a big man, and I think it's going to be harder, harder than, like, just pulling his leg to take him down. Um... <clears throat> Look, I do think Romanov washes him. I'm probably going to rebet the sub prop just like I did last week if I can get the same odds. I got it at minus 115 last week, so I really do like that. But I I I think you kind of have to play Sherman round 3. Sherman I, I made I made sure to check this. I checked his fights and I checked to see if he keeps up the output in round 3 and he does keep up the output. He's still got the striking and I do think he has the better uh striking on the feet here. So if we get to round three, <clears throat> and Romanov is exhausted, I mean, it's possible. I remember last week it was like plus 5,500 for a Sherman round three KO. I mean, I'm going to play point one unit on that all day long. Uh, Kiarx is saying Sherman is going to try to get a Mike Jackson type win here if he's smart. <laughs> Honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think that... That was that was like something we could have even like expected because after the week before where we had all that like um what's it called controversy when we had all that controversy about the no contests in the third round blah 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 I had a feeling that if if we got more fouls that a ref was gonna call a DQ this time around and I I wasn't that surprised when Jackson got the DQ I mean I I'm not saying I thought he was going to get it. I'm saying once I saw him injured with the eye poke and whatnot and I knew the fight was going to go on I, I thought it was going to be a DQ not a no contest. I mean <clears throat> Romanov is a sloppy fighter too. <laughs> it could it could happen. I I'm not going to bank on it though. I I do think that Romanov probably just washes Sherman. So I'm going to stop talking about this fight now and just move on. This one's fun. Here we got Daniel Da Silva versus Francisco Figueredo. This is Little Figgy, so I'm just going to call him Little Figgy from now on. Just a little bit easier. You got Da Silva, who's 11, 12, and oh, he's 25 years old. Super young still. 5 foot 6, 70 inch reach. And he is training out of, let me double check that camp over there. That is correct. ATS team. And then you got Little Figgy. He's 12, 4, and 1, 32 years old, 5 foot 6, 69 inch reach. And he's training out of Team Figgy, their own camp back in Brazil. I thought that maybe he's training over in Fight Ready like his brother did for his title fight, but it doesn't appear to be the case, as, at least right now. It, it seems like based off his Instagram, that's where he's at. De Silva fights out of a switch stance, and Figgy's out of Southpaw, so another really interesting matchup in that regard. And this, this is an interesting one. I. There was a fair amount of, you know, I wouldn't say excitement about 
little figgy coming into the UFC, but curiosity. And I think we all realized right away that he wasn't that amazing. His first fight was with Jerome Rivera. I'm not positive if Jerome's cut or not. If anybody knows, let me know. I'm not sure if he's still with the UFC. I thought Jerome was decent in regards to his striking, but he had a pretty bad stint. But with Lil Figgy, you know, he, he it was it was fairly close on the feet. Figgy had success grappling. That's where that's where he had his success. And then going into that Malcolm Gordon fight, I mean, I was sure that Lil Figgy was going to wash Malcolm Gordon. I really did, did think so. I had a bunch of money on him. I did not think highly of Malcolm Gordon. I've been fading him since he got into the UFC. I faded him with Albazi. I made a ton of money. I faded him with Sumaderji. And after the Sumaderji fight, I mean, I only wanted to bet on him even less because you you see what he what he faded from the strikes that put him away. I mean, they all credit to Sumaderji, but those were not hard strikes, at least relative. You know, I mean, who am I to say? Maybe those were really hard strikes, but it just didn't look that way. Obviously, I wasn't in there, so <clears throat> I don't have a right to really say that. But it just didn't—it didn't seem right to me. Uh, my camera looks like it might be getting foggy. Kiarix, if it, if you can let me know if it's foggy or not, that would be cool. Some—I think it's some shit with the lighting. I'm not sure really what to do about it when it happens. It kind of auto adjusts. But this one's rough, and it's hard to really make a confident pick because. There's so little tape on De Silva. There's really not much. Uh, I'll, I'll do a quick plug. No one pays me for this, but um, Tape Index is a very useful tool. It's something that I use. Just Google it. It'll pop up. It's like three bucks a month, and they kind of line up the fight the fights for you, and they give you links to the fights. It doesn't have everything, and sometimes you can find stuff that's not on there, so it's not exhaustive, but it does really help find stuff and just save you time so you don't have to Google stuff. And, yeah, so I used that. I found a bunch of his fights. I was looking through it. And, you know, his striking's okay. I would like if he threw more punches. He's another one of these guys with a really low punching output. I'll be talking about him and Tyron uh, tomorrow on my fantasy show. They're going to be really good for a certain spot. He's got nice kicks, though. He uses his front kicks a lot. I do like that teep kick. I'm a big fan of teep kicks. We got another guy later who uses really nice front kicks. Marlon Vera KO'd Edgar live. I was there. That was cool. We'll talk about that later. Uh, his punches are straight when he throws them, which is great. You need that, especially against someone like Figgy who's throwing loopy punches. You want to throw one-twos down the pipe. Those That's the best way to do it. His output's just really low. That's that's the problem. He's only got five minutes of cage time in the UFC. Well, just over it. He got finished early in round two against Jeff Molina. But, you know, he looked okay against Molina. Molina's a beast. I think I think we all know that. Thank you, QRX. And, uh... Apparently, my camera's good. And we all know Molina's a beast. And he did decent against him at first. He took his back standing. That was very impressive. That's not something that's easy to do. But, you know, he wasn't able to finish the fight. And then he faded and got finished. And that's not the best look. And another issue is I'm a little worried about him getting stuck on bottom. <clears throat> I'm not sure how much that'll be an issue here. Figgy does wrestle. But I'm not sure if he's got the wrestling to really hold down to Silva. I'm just nervous that De Silva's going to let him and just try to go for arm bars or leg locks and whatnot from bottom, maybe triangles. I, I'm not sure that he subs Figgy, who's a, who's a Brazilian black belt. He does have three submission wins, no sub losses. Figgy does have one sub loss, but I'm not, I really don't know if he will. He is se seven years younger. He's going to be the fresher, newer fighter, one-inch reach advantage. 
He also kind of just blows his load kind of early. He really just let it rip in the first round a little too much and got too tired out too soon. Figgy on the other side, you know, he's got decent forward pressure. Uh, he wings his punches, like I said. He loads up way too much. Also has a low output. That's why I'm not tremendously worried uh, for the output of Silva. He hits very hard, just like his brother. He uses nice elbows in close, just like his brother. And he's got good knees to the body. I really like when guys are using them sharp weapons. Again, like Cheeto later in the card. He's got 87% takedown defense, but that's pretty damn inflated from the Gordon fight. Uh, Gordon shot definitely in the double figures i just don't remember what it was gordon only got two takedowns which is you know good on figgy yeah he shot 11 takedowns and only got two to gordon but gordon did get six minutes of control time which is not a good look at all yeah i mean I, I have two units on De Silva. i got him also at a really cheap price i got him at minus 110 and i dropped 2.1 units on him I'm a bit worried that he gets taken into deep waters and gets beaten there, maybe by decision. But I, I think he's just going to... I think he's going to be too much for Figgy. I think he's going to have too much in his toolbox. I think he's going to be able to be threatening on the ground. I think he'll be able to fight on the feet with him. I don't. I wanted to say he'll edge him on the feet, but I, I don't have enough to support that, so I'm not going to say that. I think Figgy throws more punches, and I am a puncher-first kind of guy. So... I do think that De Silva wins. I'm a little worried about having two units on this, but I'm going to stick with my gut. I do think that De Silva wins this fight. I don't think very highly of Little Figgy, and I do think that De Silva is going to be a prospect to watch out for over time. <clears throat> We're flying through today. How many fights we got left? One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, okay. We're not flying that fast. <coughs> I want to try to start getting the shows not much longer than an hour. I think more people are willing to watch a shorter show. It's got enough things to do during the week. Do people. I do want to plug... I'll plug it again at the end, but I do want to plug a show I, I just started doing with Lou Betya from the MMA Engine. We started doing a show called, called The Bet Elevator, and I thought it's pretty dope, and I think a lot of people did think so too. We pretty much just compete for... For each fight, we'll go over the, the fights for their props and we compete for who who can have the balls to go with the bigger uh, prop bet. And pretty much like say, I'll start it off, I'll say, let's say for this fight, right? I'll say Jocko decision, whatever it is. I'm going to make up a number right now, minus 110, right? So then Lou would try to one-up me and then I would try to one-up him with a higher odd bet. Person who ends up with the highest one, when the other person taps out, they got to bet that bet. Ended up being really fun. Sounds a bit confusing, so just check it out on Thursday. I believe we did it at 8.30. Uh, Got to double-check that. I'll be posting about it so you guys will see. But yeah, definitely tune in and check that. I think that's fun. But anyways, let's continue. So we're going to start the main card now. We got Gerald Mearshart versus Christoph Jocko. You got Mearshart, who's 34, 14, and 0. 34 years old. He's six foot one with a 77.5-inch reach. And he's training out of a mixture right now, at least according to his Instagram. I saw a little bit of a Fusion XL. I know that Phil Rose out of there. I saw a little bit of Rufus Sport, and I saw a little bit of VFS. And on the other side, you got Christoph Jocko, 23-5-0, and 0, 32 years old. Also 6'1". He's out of a 77-inch reach as well. And Jocko is currently training out of American Top Team. So this one's a really interesting one, man. I mean, I've been I've faded Mearshart in his last two fights, and I've had to pay for it. 
Mirashar just keeps being that guy. I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, Nick, like, just not that great on the feet, but he just gets it done. He's not that crazy. He's not that crazy of a wrestler, but he still gets it done. He'll drag it to the ground. Um. So, I guess one, the first fight I wanted to talk about when we're talking about these two is Mirashart and. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me, Mirshart and Mahmoud Muradov. So I had a ton of money on Muradov, even as like a minus whatever, 300-something favorite. I thought that he was going to roll there. And Mirshart beat him, and he beat him by using pressure and by just making him not know what to do. He Muradov needed a clean fight, and Mirshart didn't give it to him. Kept just throwing that left, and he was throwing it overhand. He was throwing it a bit sloppy, but he just started finding the target, and he was landing it nonstop. Uh, worth mentioning, both of these guys are southpaws, so that that adds a little bit of a interesting angle to it. Mirshart's a bit hittable, but you know his striking looks like it's been kind of improving. He's got decent combinations, but he kind of looks like he's like striking in slow motion, particularly with his kicks. His jab is decent when he's using it, and his left hand seems to be his best weapon. It's very similar to how Elenik has that he uses it at one right that he just loads up and he uses that to close the distance. Mirshard also kind of uses that left to close the distance and use forward pressure. Mirshard's got 13 submission wins on his record that are counted. He does have 19 other fights on his record with no results, so it could be a much higher number than that. That's just all I have to work with on topology. He's a BJJ brown belt, and I mean, anybody who's watched him knows he's nice with it on the ground. Uh, and in the Muradov fight, even in round one, he had him against a fence and he pulled him down to the ground and just took his back. It wasn't even really a real takedown, just kind of a drag down. And then he did the same thing on round, in round two, and that's when he tapped Muradov out. And he did the same thing to, uh, what's his name? His last fight. <clears throat> I had money on that guy. I'm blanking now. Stolzfus. Dustin Stolzfus. I had money on him, and he was literally winning... And then Mearshart pulled a Mearshart, and I believe it was a rear naked. I was just watching it. Yeah, it was a rear naked choke. So, and then Jocko on the other side, you know, I think he's easily the better striker here, without a doubt. Good combinations, good output, good counter left hooks, mixes targets well. Solid 1-2, nice left hand, good leg kicks. His striking defense, is, I, I would say, is better than Mearshart. He's pretty good at moving out of the way of strikes. His defensive grappling is very solid. 83% takedown defense. He uses his underhooks very well. And when he get, does get taken down, he's very good at popping back up. He got taken down by Misha Serkinov in his last fight five times. And he only got held down <clears throat> four minutes. So I think that's pretty good given the circumstances and given who Misha Serkinov is. I had money on Serkinov there, and I remembered him winning that fight, but honestly, on rewatch, now that I've watched it a few times, I do think that Jocko probably won that fight. Jocko is a brown belt as well in BJJ, but he does have one sub loss and zero sub wins. This is one that I think is fairly straightforward. I think that Jocko is probably going to win this by decision. More than likely, he will. I think that this does go the distance, probably, if Mearshart doesn't win it. Um... <clears throat> I just think on the feet, Jocko is going to be much better. But again, Jocko, like Muradov, he needs a clean fight and he needs space to work. Mirshart, if he just moves forward, takes the shots, keeps moving th forward, throwing that left hand, keeping it straight, using a jab, 
he can make things difficult for Jocko. And then once you get the guy making mistakes, that's Gerald's world. That's where that's where he excels. That's where he does the best. So <clears throat> I was going back and forth on how I wanted to play this all day today. And part of me wants to just take Jocko and forget about it. But I don't think that's what I'm going to be doing. I think what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to be playing Gerald Mearshard decision, no action. Meaning, if he wins inside the distance, I win. If he, if Jocko wins inside the distance, I lose. And then if we go the distance, no, mat, no matter who wins, I just get my money back. So, I don't think Mearshart wins this decision. I don't see how that would possibly happen. He would have to be controlling Jocko on the ground for two rounds in a row. And I just don't see that really happening. I think most likely Mearshart just breaks him over time if he does submit him. <clears throat> But it's possible that he doesn't. I think it's going to be a, a, a fairly close fight. It's one that's... I, I was going to say difficult to read, but maybe not so much. It's fairly straightforward. It's just who do, who you think is going to really impose their game. Is Jocko going to get his clean striking fight? Or is Mearshart going to be able to make this dirty and make, make mistakes? I think that Mearshart will probably be able to make him make a mistake. And I do like that decision, no action prop. So that's probably what I'm going to play. I still have to see what the odds are going to be on that so i'm going to have to see before i say anything but that's probably going to be a play that i make any plays i make i drop them on my twitter and i drop them on my bet mma account which the link is also on my twitter uh the twitter is couch warrior pod i drop all my picks as soon as i make them so make sure to follow if you don't already and yeah so the pick here is going to be mere Shart decision no action all right, this next one I'm also on an island on, I believe. <clears throat> Here we got Darren Elkins versus Tristan Connolly. Elkins is 26, 10, and 0. 37 years old, 5'10", with a 71-inch reach. And he is training out of Team Alpha Male right now. And then you got Tristan Connolly, 14, 7, and 0. He's 36 years old, 5'10", 68-inch reach. And he is training at a Checkmat Vancouver, I believe. I couldn't verify that. Um, <clears throat> nothing in terms of his camp on Instagram, really. So I wasn't able to fi figure that out for you guys. So I apologize. But he is giving up three inches in reach. They're the same height. And he's one year younger, which is crazy because Elkins has 18 fights in the UFC <clears throat> out of 36, 50%. Connolly has two of 21. And they are only one year apart, which is very interesting. But look, I know that everyone and their mom is on Elkins this week. Everybody thinks that he's going to just <clears throat> be able to last until, you know, round two, three, and then pick it up in, in classic Elkins fashion, overwhelm his opponent and whatnot. And honestly, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be the case. My one concern here is going to be Connolly on the, on the scales. Because he did not look great the last time out. I mean, look, he's he's not that big compared to, you know, Elkins. Elkins is also a big guy at 45. But we saw Connolly fight at 170 against uh, Michel Pereira. That was his first fight in the UFC. I believe it was Pereira's debut as well. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I, think, I think that showed a lot about uh, Connolly. First off, look, I know a lot of people are saying that Elkins is... He's got this pressure and he's got that dog in him. So does Connolly for both of those things. You watch both of his fights with both Sabatini and Pereira. And what does Connolly do the entire fight? He walks down his opponent nonstop. 
walking forward, walking forward, walking forward. Even against Sabatini with that takedown threat, he was just chasing him down. And he won round three, in my opinion. So he has that same pressure that everybody's loving about Elkins. And then the dog in him, I mean, how do you come in and fight Michel Pereira up three weight classes on short notice? I understand Michel Pereira did a whole dance routine on his way to the octagon, and that's why he was so exhausted. But, like, you don't beat a guy like that on short notice with that size disadvantage unless you're an absolute dog. You don't last three rounds with Sabatini on the ground and then beat beat him in the third round unless you're a dog. <clears throat> Connolly's a dog, just like Elkins is. And unlike Elkins, I think that Connolly is a much fresher fighter. He doesn't has not taken the damage that Elkins has. Elkins has been t- through so many wars, and it's just it's adding up. I'm not thinking he's going to get finished just because he got finished by Cub Swanson. Look, I think Cub is still great, even though he's aging a little bit. I think he's still a really good fighter, and he, he's got really good striking. But Elkins hasn't been looking good on the feet for a while now. He didn't even look good in the Garagori fight. Garagori hurt him in round three. His striking defense is crap. He's getting hit all the time. He's just walking straight into strikes. And what is there really to love about his striking? There, not not much, in my opinion. He throws really loopy left hooks. Good, he's got a good output, but I hate the overhand right. I I like that he'll, he'll go like he'll go into multiples with his jab, so he'll triple up, double up. I love that. He's got a good check left, check left hook. That's good too. His wrestling is solid, but I don't love how he rushes in for the takedowns. He's very sloppy with it. His scrambles from bottom are good, but I'm not sure that Connolly's really going to be taking him down. I mean, maybe, but I, I would. I would be surprised. <clears throat> One thing maybe interesting to, th- to look at is Connolly is a BJJ black belt. I know that Elkins is a BJJ brown belt, but Connolly, he has eight submission wins and only one sub loss. Elkins has two sub wins, only one sub loss, and that's to Charlie Olive. So, you know, gotta gotta give him credit where credit's due there. Elkins got 14% control time, 4-7 against, and that's over 3 hours and 43 minutes in the cage. I mean, that's really impressive. And against top, top guys. I just think what this comes down to is I think that Connolly's better than him right now. I think that Connolly's going to be better on the feet. I think he'll match the pressure. I think he'll match the cardio. I think he'll match the output. And I think he's going to be able to compete in a dogfight. I don't think that Darren Elkins is going to be able to wear on him and break him like he did with Derek Minner. Because that's kind of what Derek Minner does. He gets broken after round one. You look at him in pretty much all his fights, and that's essentially what happens. Except against like Charles Rosa, where he, he had a good amount of success. But is Charles Rosa even still with the company? I'm not positive about that. <clears throat> I bet he is, though. I feel like they give him some space. But yeah, the Derek... Derek Minner, I'm looking at that now. He's literally getting finished in round one or two in every loss in the UFC, except his one against Ryan Hall. But yeah, I mean, this one I just really comes down to. I think that Connolly's going to be the cleaner striker, and I think that this fight's mostly going to be in striking range. I think that if Elkins does try to go to his ground game, to his wrestling, I think that even if he gets Connolly down, I don't think he's going to be able to hold him down. He's got a 70% takedown defense as Connolly, and that's against a guy like Pat Sabatini, who went 1-5 on his takedown attempts. He did get stuck under Sabatini for over 8 minutes, but look, that's Pat Sabatini, and that's what he does to everybody. <clears throat> and I give all the credit to Elkins, but Elkins is no Pat Sabatini in regards to the wrestling and the grappling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Connolly here. I like him a lot as a dog, honestly. I really like him. 
I was going to go two units here with a fair amount of confidence, but I am worried about the weigh-ins, so I'm going to wait and see. Weigh-ins have been a bit deceitful lately, but I just need to see that he looks okay. <clears throat> I thought he filled up okay and he recovered well his last time out, so I just got to make sure he looks all right. I've got some experience cutting weight myself, so I don't take guys looking shitty too serious. They do have a full day to recover, and you'd be surprised it does give you a good amount of time to recover. You get to fill up with water, you get to eat again, and no, normally if they do things right, they should be able to be okay, even if they look a little bit deflated during weigh-ins. But we'll see. I'm going to play a unit on him, and then I'll probably play another if he looks okay at weigh-ins. I'm waiting for the odds to settle down. It's been going the other way, so I'll just let it keep going. Look, I really don't suggest playing Elkins at minus 170. I, I think that's a little cuckoo, but <clears throat> what do I know? All right, next fight. Here we got Jared Gordon versus Grant Dawson. Gordon is 18-4-0. He's 33 years old, 5'9 with a 68-inch reach, and he's training out of Sanford MMA. And I don't think he's training at Renzo right now. And on the other side, you got Grant Dawson. He's 17-1-1. He's 28 years old, 5'10 with a 72-inch reach. And he is no longer a glory MMA either. He is now at American Top Team, which should be really interesting to see how that changes his game and affects him going forward. So he does have a 4-inch reach advantage here and 1-inch one, one, uh, reach advantage. Kiarik saying topology predictions wide as always. Oh, hell yeah. Like I said, I think last show, I, I, I think that's partially because people want to rack up that those topology points and uh, <clears throat> they'll often just chase each other. So if a big favorite's already a big favorite, everybody will just enter that as their prediction. So I think that's partially why it's like that sometimes. But this is a super interesting fight, particularly because I feel like stylistically it's identical to Jordan's last fight I mean Jordan <laughs> Gordon's last fight against Jared Selecki I had Selecki there I thought he <clears throat> I thought he'd be able to do enough to win but he didn't but I do think that he showed the holes and I think he showed how Dawson would win this fight Selecki was able to get him down Selecki was able to control him he was able to rack up some control time and I think that Dawson's going to be able to do that and do it better Dawson's grappling is really fucking good He's one of these relentless grapplers who just shoots takedowns nonstop. He's relentless on top. He's got 16 submission wins. 16 submission wins. No sub losses. Great top control. Uh, great double legs. Great trips. <clears throat> Excuse me. My issue with him is his striking. I don't love his striking. I think it's fairly basic. He throws that overhand right way too much for me. His kicks are good. He mixes them up to all three parts of the body, legs, body, head. So that's dope. I just wish he would throw more strikes. I really don't love the grapplers who focus on kicks and overhand rights, but that's what he does. I'm hoping that ATT's been able to shore up his striking a little bit. I mean, the bodies he's ha he has over there, Mateus Gamrot. I'm not sure who he's working with in particular, but I hope it's guys like that. So I think that he's got the clear advantage on the ground here. But it is worth noting, Gordon is also a good wrestler. He does have good grappling. He's shown that in his last few fights too. He was able to uh, deal with Selecki. And Selecki's a very legit grappler himself. Lots of submission wins himself. And Gordon was able to hold his own, fight him off. 
He was able to take down Danny Chavez twice, and I think very highly of Danny Chavez. I was sure that Chavez was going to win that fight, and he proved me very wrong. And, yeah, I mean, and he, and he took down Chris Fishgold in three times, but I, I don't think that means much. Fishgold is not that high caliber. But I think that Gordon's real advantage here is his striking. He's definitely got the striking advantage, in my opinion. He's got a good jab, good, decent hooks. His striking's fairly basic, but it's more than uh, Dawson has. He puts together good combinations, and he's got a better output than Dawson does. <clears throat> I think that this one's going to be close, and I think it's lined correctly. I think it's a fair line. I know that it has moved since I last saw it and w since I've played it. I think minus 170 is starting to get a little steep. I guess you could still play at minus 165. You could still play. I played it at minus 145. So I do like that line a lot better. Unfortunately, it's not available anymore. Kiarik saying he's Dawson's probably getting some work in with Poirier at ATT. Yeah, maybe. Th that could be dope. That would be great for, the, for his striking. I hope he's focusing on his striking and not more of his grappling because I don't think he needs that for this fight. But... Yeah, I'm, it's another one of these striker versus grappler fights. Who's going to impose their game better? I think the main concern here is what happens if Dawson gets to round three again. Is he going to look like he did against Ricky Glenn? I don't think so. He's a young guy. He's going to be constantly improving, and no fight is ever the same. So I think that I I do expect him to have the cardio in this third round. But it is something to think about, and if he can't get Gordon down, I think he could be in trouble. In the striking realm, I think he could be in trouble. I think he'll get pieced up a little bit. So I do like Dawson to win. I've got two units on him, but I think it's going to be a close and competitive fight. Gordon is no slouch whatsoever, and I think it's going to be a close fight. So give me Dawson, but be careful. I don't like this card for parlays. I, I'm saying that now. You'll you'll see if you look at my bet MMA. I don't have any parlays yet, I don't unless I'm blanking. No, I don't. I don't have any parlays yet. I don't even know if I will, honestly. I'm thinking about putting together a round robin because I feel like since so many of these guys are like in the minus 100 realm and it's very short favorites, I feel like it could be good for a small round robin with small wagers, but I have to see. It's something I'm going to have to feel out as the week goes on. I'll see how many bets I make on PFL, but we'll see. So this next one is super interesting. We got Andre Feely versus Joe Anderson Brito. Andre Feely is 21, 8, and 0. He's 5'11. Excuse me. 31 years old with a 74 inch reach. And he does train out of Team Alpha Male. And on the other side, you got Brito. He's 12, 3, and 1. He's 27 years old. 5'8 with a 72 inch reach. And he is training out of shoot box still, I believe. And one second. Both of these fellas are fighting out of orthodox. That's what I wanted to see. I thought maybe Feely was a southpaw, but no. They're both orthodox fighters. So this one is super interesting, right? So Brito is relatively fresh off the contender series. He made his debut not too long ago against Bill Algio in uh, January. And, you know, he lost that fight convincingly. I, th I believe I bet Algio there. I don't remember. But... I think he showed some good things that are going to be key in this fight. He he put together decent combinations. And, you know, he started the fight winging his punches too much and leaving himself open. But as the fight progressed, his striking got sh sharper, which is kind of weird. Because you see a guy like him with all that muscle. You think he's going to slow down. 
But he looked sharpest in round three, in my opinion, against Aljo. He was landing that one-two all day long. Why? Because he started throwing it straight. So many fighters loop, and I, I don't get it. Because if your opponent's looping, your one-two down the pipe is going to land all day long. A straight jab will land all day long. Brito, when he does that, when he's throwing straight, he's landing all day long. Solid jab, big power, good straight right, nice hook. Like I said, really good one too. He was bopping Algeo with that in round two and round three. His striking defense is sloppy. You gotta admit that. <clears throat> he got hit a ton in that Algeo fight. Um, he leaves himself open for tons of strikes, tons of counters. So that's something to consider. But it's also something to consider is Algeo is a good striker too. I, I think highly of Algeo's striking. So I don't think it's crazy to get outstruck by him, especially with the size disadvantage. Now, Brito can also grapple. We saw that in his Dana White Contender Series fight. He's got a great double leg, very strong uh, top control, and great submission defense. He he defended against so many submissions on the Contender Series against Diego Lopez, who looked very good on the ground. Brito's got four sub wins of his own, zero sub losses. One thing I, I think worth uh, looking at, is uh well first off i want to mention feely does have a three inch height advantage two inch reach advantage also so i think that's going to come in play in the striking realm but in regards to the grappling i do want to bring up uh Philly has two sub losses right and one of them is to max holloway by guillotine all right i i don't know if max has any other sub wins but <laughs> that's you know i i think that's something that maybe is worth looking at Brito by sub I'm not sure what the odds are on are on that let me check it out I'll tell you guys what bet I do have once I'm done breaking this down Brito by sub is plus 800 that might be worth a sprinkle but his opponent Feely I mean this guy's a beast I'm a huge fan I normally bet on Feely I'm never looking to bet against Feely he's He's a big big time vet, 16 fights in the UFC, over three hours of fight time in the octagon. His striking is very solid, very crisp, very nice jab. He'll double up on that jab, which I love that. Uh, he's got a nice straight run right hand, good one too, keeps it straight. Really nice kicks and he throws tons of them. Striking defense is basic, but he moves out of the way of shots well. He's got good wrestling, nice lateral drop he landed. Uh, I think that was his last fight against Pineda, but I could be wrong. It might have been Jordan. I don't remember <clears throat> which one it was. I think it was Pineda, though, because I remember him just styling on Pineda. 68% uh, takedown defense. So that's another thing that's important here because Brito will be shooting, I think. But Feely can wrestle, too. So I, I really don't know that the grappling is going to be in play. Uh, Kiarx is saying, was that Holloway sub a club and sub? You know, I actually don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, but I have to imagine that it probably was because I'm not sure <laughs> how else that would have worked. I mean, I guess if Feely just went for a sloppy shot, Holloway still Holloway. Just because he strikes real well doesn't mean he can't do other things, I guess. But I was just surprised to see that on his record. But anyways, yeah, so I think more than likely Feely wins this fight. But at these odds, minus 250, I, I can't play it. I wouldn't know how to start, really. Like, Are you going to parlay him with who? I don't know. Are you going to play a money line at minus 240? I don't like it. Uh, are you going to play him inside the distance or by decision? I can't tell you which one you should do. If I if gun to my head, I would probably do Philly by decision, but plus 150, I don't love it. 
here's what I do like. This is what I'm doing. <clears throat> I've already got a play on this. I like it a lot, honestly. I have Joe Anderson, Brito, decision, no action. I mentioned this prop already before for the Mearshart fight. But this is this one I already have a bet on, and I like this one better. I got decision, no action on Brito for plus 200, and I, I really like it. Look, if this goes to decision, I don't see Brito winning unless maybe he gets like two rounds somehow off a knockdown and some kind of grappling. But I don't see it. I really don't, so I don't think he wins a decision. I don't think Feely finishes him unless maybe late in the third. But I think that Feely can be finished. I think that we've seen him rocked like against Jordan. And I think we've seen him in some trouble in the grappling realm, even though he does do a really good job defending himself. And I think that Brito is extremely strong. He's a dog. He's got really good forward pressure, and he's not going to stop until the fight's over, regardless of how it ends. So I do like Brito decision, no action, because if it goes to decision, I get my money back, regardless of who wins, and I don't think it's going to be Brito. And I don't think Feely finishes. I think that if anyone finishes, it's going to be Brito. So I do like that plus 200 for one unit with the insurance as well. So that's my play here, there. And now, oh God, we are up to the co-main event, the people's main event, the greatest of all time. If Collier wins this fight, regardless of what happens in Porter's next fight, because let's be real, he's not going to win it. I would really like to see Jake Collier versus Parker Porter. That could be fun. But or if Collier loses this, I guess. But anyways, here we got Jake Collier versus Andre Arlovsky. Collier is 13-6 and oh, he's 33 years old, 6 foot 3 with a 78 and a half inch reach. On the other side, you got Andre Arlovsky. He's 33-20 and oh, 43 years old, 6 foot 3 with a 77 inch reach and he is training at an American Top Team still. For Collier, I could not get a camp for the life of me out of his Instagram, so I do apologize, but I don't have a camp for him. And I mean, this fight is, it's weird. Look, first of all, I, I just want to point out, if anybody thinks he's going to sub Arlovsky like he subbed Sherman, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, do you really think he's as good as Aspinall is? Like, Aspinall was able to sub Arlovsky because of how strong he is, because of how fast he is, because of how quickly he ducked into that shot. None of those things is something that Collier can do. He took down Sherman with the caught kick and then got that rear naked. Look, props to him with that much weight on him, hopping on the back and taking uh, rear naked. Kiarik saying if Arlovsky wins here, he's running out of bumps to fight. Yeah, man, I mean, this is I've been saying this forever. Arlovsky beats any unremarkable heavyweight he fights. It's just, it's the way it's been. Off the top of my head, just <clears throat> recently, right? Carlos Felipe, Jared Vandera, Chase Sherman... He lost to Aspinall. And was there anybody else? Let me double check. Oh, Tanner B Bozer and Felipe Linz. In my opinion, all of those are unremarkable heavyweights. I know a lot of people love Bozer. I, I, I'm, I'm not there. I think Bozer should go down to light heavyweight. I get that his whole thing is speed, but whatever. I, regardless, Arlovsky beats unremarkables. And realistically, I just shit on Bozer, but I think Bozer beats Collier any day of the week. I think Felipe Linz beats Collier any day of the week. Felipe did beat Collier. <laughs> I don't know about Vandera. That could be an interesting fight. But look, I, I do think Arlovsky beats Collier as well. Collier is not a career heavyweight. Arlovsky's been in this game forever. He's literally had over four hours of cage time in the UFC over 20 fights, 23 fights in the UFC. He's fought the best of the best, and I promise you that Jay Collier is not bringing anything that he's never seen before. 
Just real quick, we got five live viewers. That's the most we've ever had. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy what little you get to watch. Feel free to tune back in later. I do add timestamps to make everything nice and easy. I'm considering starting to drop in my uh, picks as well in the comments. Maybe that's something I'm going to start doing. But anyways, yeah, look, Collier striking is super sloppy. I was just watching it right before I hopped back on. He's using... Lots of overhand rights, lots of loopy punches. I do like that he's like triple, double, quadrupling up that jab. That's great. His output is fantastic. You can't deny that. Lots of good pressure. That's great too. 10 years younger. He's got a small reach advantage, one and a half inches reach. I just, I don't think any of those things are going to be enough. Like, Arlovsky's dealt with pressure. Arlovsky's dealt with output. Like, in his last few fights, they've all been relatively high output. Chase Sherman. 105 strikes for Arlovsky, 88 for Sherman. Felipe fight, 83 Arlovsky, 73 Sherman. Vandera, 64 Arlovsky, 70 Vandera. He's he he's seen high output already. He's seen power, and I don't think that Collier really carries that much power anyways. And it's not like Collier's going to bring some kind of crazy grappling. He's like I'll be shocked if he takes Arlovsky down. I'll, I'll really be shocked. Especially with that 78% takedown de defense of Arlovsky's. That, that, that's over 23 fights. He's got a 78% takedown defense against the highest level of competition. All right. So I think more than likely we're going to see an Arlovsky decision. I mean, there's really not much to say there. He doesn't finish guys. He hasn't finished anybody since I think 2015, 2016. But I think he's a slicker striker here. I think he's much crisper, much cleaner on the feet than Collier is. I think that every, for every loopy shot Collier's going to throw, Arlovsky's going to throw something straight and piece him up. I don't think Collier's going to be able to get him down. And I think that Collier's cardio is honestly worse than Arlovsky's, even though Arlovsky's like, what, 43 years old? Like, I just, I think he's going to slow down big time. And I, I really don't see how Collier wins. Like, maybe some kind of split decision. <laughs> Who knows? What's, is there a lineup yet for, uh, for the fight to end by split that could be something to look at um i'm looking i'm looking now nah, there's nothing for that just yet but i'm gonna check that out but yeah i do think arlovsky wins how i'm gonna probably attack it is i'm considering going money line arlovsky for a half unit and then doing another half unit on arlovsky by decision i wanted to do maybe a full unit money line arlovsky but i am still a little bit worried look at the end of the day he is 43 collier is a dog um <clears throat> Even though he's a middleweight up at heavyweight, he does still have that height. So it's not like he's going to be incredibly undersized. I just think he's going to be a bit weaker than Arlovsky. But look, I'm, it's MMA, and I do think a split to Collier could maybe happen in a greasy fight. So I'm going to be careful with my unit sizes here. But I am playing Arlovsky, and I'm fairly confident he wins, even though he's 43 fucking years old. I just don't think that highly of Collier. And here we are. We're up to the main event of the evening. We got eight live viewers now. I thank you all very, very much for being here. Uh, thank you for watching. I hope you enjoy the show. And all right, so here we go. We got Rob Font versus Marlon Vera. <clears throat> you got Font, who's 19, 5 and 0. He's 34 years old, 5 foot 8 with a 71 and a half inch reach. And you got Vera on the other side. He's 27 and 1, 29 years old. Five, five foot eight with a 70 and a half inch reach. They're just about the same size. And you got Font training at a New England cartel over with uh, Calvin Cater. And then Vera is over at RVCA training, training with Jason Perillo. I think I just butchered his last name, so I apologize about that. But he's at a good camp. I believe he's been there for a bit now. 
And this is a super interesting fight. You got two guys who've been in the UFC for a minute. Vera has 18 fights in the UFC. Font has 13. Two hours and 30 minutes in the cage for Font. Three hours and 21 minutes in the cage for Vera. And look, <clears throat> this one's super interesting. I, I see a lot of people are on Vera, obviously. They like him to win it in the distance. They like him to win it in round four or five. They're saying he's going to come on heavy in the later rounds. He's a dog. He's going to break Font, blah, blah, blah. It's possible, and I am going to be sprinkling Vera round one. I mean, round two and three. I mean, round four and five. I'm sorry. If you look at it now, it's like I think it's plus twenty two or plus twenty eight hundred for round four, and it's like plus thirty five hundred for round five, something like that. So let me check. I might have just butchered those numbers. Here, yeah, I was right. Vera round five is plus thirty five hundred. Vera round two is plus twenty two hundred. I will be doing point one unit plays there, but look. I, I disagree. I I don't know that I don't think that Vera is gonna break Font. First of all, Font has already gone two five rounders. He, Vera hasn't had any. Font has already ha had two five rounders in a row against Cody Garbrandt and against um, Jose Aldo. I understand he lost against Aldo, but he still put forward a really nice showing. He outstruck Aldo. He took Aldo down, which is not an easy task. And I thought he looked pretty good. Like, it's Jose fucking Aldo. He might get the next title shot, for God's sake. Um, I just... I feel like, on the feet, Font is much, much better. I get that Cheeto is good. I like his combinations, too. He's got a good jab. I like that he uses elbows and knees a lot. I really love the dirty... those That kind of shit that can cut someone up. End a fight like that. You don't even have to be winning a fight. You can just open them up and then you win by doctor stoppage. So those elbows are always a great weapon to have. So of course it's really nice that Vera does that. His front kick that he knocked out Frankie Edgar with. That's great. And he does that all the time. He's got a really good output too. Good one too. Nice knees up the middle. Look there's a lot to like against Vera. He is relentless. He is a dog. He, is, he fights nasty which is really important too. But he can get a little sloppy. We saw him give up takedowns to Frankie Edgar because of that. I was there live. That was awesome. I did have money on Vera, so when he got that front kick KO, that was really cool to see. But I just think that on the feet, I think Font is going to outstrike Vera. I think he's better than him technically. I think his output is even better than Vera's. I do think that Vera probably hits harder, but I'm not sure that's really going to matter here. I don't think he finishes Font. Like, when was the last time Font's been KO'd? Not in the UFC. So I'm not sure that Vera wins that way. Does Vera grapple fuck him? I don't think so. Ricky Simone couldn't do it. I, I rewatched that fight right before this. Ricky Simone took him down six times, could barely control him. Font got a takedown against Simone. Like his wrestling is honestly pretty good. He used it against Garbrandt as well. He he's got this really low key wrestling, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he mixed it in against Vera as well. If Vera does have a sixty eight percent takedown defense, so maybe he won't get it, but sixty nine. I'm sorry, but I think that's something that's out there. Vera is a BJJ brown belt. He's got six sub wins, but Font's only been subbed once. And yeah, I mean, look, I think this is going to be close. I think it's going to be a really interesting fight to watch. I think this is going to be super fun. But I am not on the Vera boat here. I, I, I don't think he wins. I think that Font more than likely wins this by decision. I think he puts on a clinic. I think he puts on a show. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. But I, I do think that Font wins. Look. Vera is the more damaging striker. He's going to put on the more damage. But like, I think a good example for this fight is the Song Yudong fight. 
I know that a lot of us felt that Vera won. I'm one of those people, even though I had money on Song Yedong, I thought that Vera won that fight as well. But look, I thought the output, I mean, the output went to Song Yedong. He Vera did get outstruck by a little bit. And I think that Fonz is going to bring it to him even harder. Fonz got a great forward pressure. That jab of Fonz, I mean, for Christ's sake, that thing is so nice. His combinations are great. His his speed on on his striking is fantastic. Kiarik saying he's emotionally attached to Cheeto. Such a great... Yeah, man. I, I love Cheeto. He's a fucking badass. Um, <clears throat> I want him to get a title shot even though he hasn't beat anybody. I just want to see him fight for a title. I just don't like him to win this fight, unfortunately. Um, I do try not to bet with my heart. That helped me a lot with the Peter Yan fight. <laughs> so I I really do try not to bet with my heart. So I, I do think Font wins. I think he wins on the feet. I think that Vera's best paths to victory are the grappling and to break Font in round four and five. But I just don't see it happening. But I will hedge with it. I do suggest, you know, laying point one unit on Vera round three. I mean, round five and round four. I mean, to win 2.2 units or to win 3.5 units off that, it's great. And I do think that's most likely how Vera wins if he does win. But I do think that Font wins, and I think that he wins by decision, and I think he outstrikes Vera. So, yeah, and that's it. We just worked through the card in under an hour and 20 minutes, so that's already a great improvement. Let's fucking go. Uh, I'll run through my bets real quick. I'll bring up my show on Thursday one more time and my show tomorrow and then we'll get the fuck out of here I gotta break down some PFL for tomorrow there's a lot of spots I want to look at and I think I'm gonna have some fun with it but anyways all right I'll give you guys one PFL pick I already have I'm waiting on the line for it but all right so we'll go over my bets so far what bets I still want to make so I got Grant Dawson minus 145 two units I know that that line is gone at minus 165, I don't necessarily condone placing a money line bet there, but I would do that over parlaying him. I just don't really see another good parlay piece here. Um, <clears throat> I guess if you like Feely. Uh, then I got Daniel Lacerdo de Silva, 2.1 units at minus 110. I know that line has gone as well. I think it's like minus 130 now. Uh, yeah, it's minus 130, 120. I don't hate minus 120, but I wouldn't go much steeper than that personally. Uh, again, I apologize if my lines are, you know, better than what's available now. I do post it all on Twitter, though, so if you follow me there, you have gotten to catch them. Uh, Gabe Green, I got 1.15 units at minus 115. I got 1.8 units on Levy, and that will probably increase. And I got one unit at Candelario at plus 250. <clears throat> and then my only prop play so far is the Mazzani Young fight doesn't go the distance at plus 120 for a half unit. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, so the one quick PFL play I'll give you guys is I like Alejandro Flores over Saba Balaki. Um, right now you can get him for minus 120 and it's going up. So I would wait. I think we'll be able to get even money, which would be dope. I just think he's a better fighter. Balaki is very dependent on wrestling and I don't think he's going to be able to beat Flores. I don't think he's going to be able to wrestle fuck him and on the feet Flores is much better. So that's my quick PFL pick for the day. And yeah, so tomorrow I'm doing my fantasy show. I'm not sure what time yet. It might be late. This is a crazy week for me. I've got law school finals next week, so it's all chaos, but I'm doing what I can. And then Thursday, I got my show with Lou Betya on MMA Engine, uh, Bet Elevator, awesome show. Make sure to check it out. We go find crazy props and we make each other bet on it, so it's a lot of fun. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate everybody here and